Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So for the second Sunday in a row, for those who weren't here last week, we read about the end of the world, the second coming of Christ. And the reason why we read this, okay, just a quick recap. I know a lot of people were traveling last weekend for Labor Day. The reason that we read this at the end is because this is the final Sunday of the Coptic calendar year. Okay, we have the January, February, March calendar. Okay, then we also have the Coptic calendar upon which the readings of the church and the fast of the church is based. So that Coptic New Year, okay, is, uh, this is the final Sunday of the final weekend of the, of the year, and the New Year begins on the date of? Very good. Some of you remember from last week. Very good. September 12th, not September 11th. And for those of you who are confused and say, oh, wait a minute, I thought it was September 11th. I got it wrong all these years. September 11th is the beginning of the Coptic year most of the time. But every four years, it's September 12th. Because what happens every four years? Leap years. what happens every four years. So what happens is the Coptic calendar adds the extra day, like the regular calendar that we use adds it on February 29th. So we'll add that next year. 2024 is leap year. 2023 is not that leap year. 2024 is that leap year. But the Coptic calendar adds it at the end of the year. At, so September 11th would be that leap day. Okay, so to speak. So it adds it at the very, very end. It would be the equivalent of us having a day between December 31st and January 1st. It would be like adding a December 32nd is what the Coptic calendar does. So therefore, every four years, the new year is not September 11th, but it's September 12th. Either way, it's the final Sunday of the year, and that's why we read about the end of the world. And again, just recap for last, from last week. We talked about how the syllabus, okay, you know when you go to... Uh, when you go to college and you start the class, they tell you, this is what we're going to study all year. The syllabus for everything that we do in the church is the creed. That's the outline. That's the roadmap. So what we study throughout the entire year, throughout the readings, is the creed. We start in the beginning with God the Father. Then we have a large section on God the Son. And then we have Pentecost to God the Holy Spirit. And then we have the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And the final sentence of the creed is what? We look for? And the? <laughs> the life of the age to come. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. So that's what we spend the final two weeks of the church year uh, focusing on, which is the age to come. But in order to get to the age to come, you must first get rid of the age that is here now. And that's what the gospel speaks about, the end of this world. And for two weeks in a row, we read Christ speaking about what it's going to be like, okay? And for those who were here last week, I won't get into everything we talked about there, but talked about how there's two things that get repeated over and over when Jesus talks about the end. Of course, there's all the bad stuff that happens. But two things that Jesus repeats is that, number one, do not be troubled, and number two, do not be deceived. Okay, we spoke about this last week, and actually St. Paul said it today in the, in the Pauline epistle. He said, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. He says, do not be troubled. Now you say to yourself, if you're talking about sun being dark, you're talking about wars and earthquakes, you're talking about famines and pestilences, how can we not be troubled? 
Well, the answer is very simple. The answer is when I tell you it's going to happen, it's a lot less troubling. Like if all of a sudden, like let's say the weather forecast says sunny skies and it's going to be a beautiful day, then all of a sudden it starts, you know, boom in the rain. That's so scary. But if they tell you it's going to rain, it's going to be hard, it's going to start at seven, it's going to finish at eight, and it's going to be... So then all of a sudden when it rains, you're like, oh, okay, that's what's supposed to happen. So that's what Jesus is telling us right here. So don't be troubled. I'm telling you this and this is going to happen. I'm telling you the world is going to be a place of darkness. I'm telling you that the sun is going to stop shining, that some stars are going to fall. Do you know what stars are going to fall means? It doesn't mean literally like, you know, here comes the Big Dipper coming down on us right now. What it means is stars like people full of light. So sometimes, you know, someone who is a great spiritual leader and then he falls. And this great spiritual leader, like just recently I was, I was watching a movie about a great spiritual leader. Okay, who did a great movement, did a great whatever, and then he fell at the end of his life. That doesn't shake us. That doesn't shake us because what we know is that, yeah, that, that happens. We all have weakness, and we're not judging that person. So what I'm saying is when we see stars fall, of course, we don't want that, but it doesn't shake us. We're not shaken by these things. We're not shaken when we see the world is a bad place. We're not shaken when we see that society's morality is going down the toilet. We're not shaken by that. We're not people who are going to lock ourselves in the room and say, this is the end of the world, and we can't. No, no, no. We, we knew this was going to happen. We're prepared for this. We're ready for it. We're not troubled. But the key is not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. But then the verse after that, let no one blank you by any means. Deceive you. And that's what I talked about last week, okay, is that we do not want to be deceived. And there's a lot of deception. And I said, if someone comes to me and, and, and knocks me over because he's stronger than me, more power to him. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Not okay with that, but I, I accept that. But what I don't accept is someone tricked me. Someone fooled me. That burns me. Like someone comes and is bigger than me and steals my wallet or steals my lunch money. Okay, that's not good, but okay. But then much worse is someone deceives me. And I'm like, no, 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 he's on my side. No, 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 and here's my lunch money. Hey, here's his lunch money too. Anyone got more lunch money to give this guy? Like the deception is much worse than the actual taking of it. Would you agree with me? No one wants to be deceived. We talked last week about different ways that the devil deceives us. Okay, we talked about the cares of this world. We get deceived into thinking that we live for this world. We get deceived into thinking that we're going to be here forever. That's what we talked about last week. I haven't started yet today's sermon. That's just a recap of last week, okay? When you get the gospel two weeks in a row that's the same, then it's like a series for me. I can just keep on going in the same direction. What I want to talk about today is something actually that wasn't mentioned specifically in the gospel. But it goes along the lines of do not be deceived. Let no one deceive you by any means. So I thought about it. And I said to myself, what is the deception that so many people struggle with today. And there's a deception that I believe that many of us struggle with. And it's truly a deception because you don't even realize you struggle with it. Like last week I spoke about the cares of this world. We kind of know the cares of this world are wrong, but we're weak. But there's another area where I think many people, I don't want to say deceived because I'm not saying, saying judge. I'm saying an area where the devil is, is yeah, we're all deceived. And I want to, Think about what that is for us here today. And it's actually something that if we're not careful, like there's things that you do that are bad, things that you do that are like not nice, and then there's certain things that we're talking about like eternal consequences. And I want to talk about one of those things that's eternal consequences today. It's not drunkenness. It's not drugs, it's not uh, greed, it's not lust, it's not any of those things. I want to talk about bitterness. 
and resentment. And grudges, and all those fall under the category of unforgiveness. Because did you know, okay? Repeat after me. My cruelest enemy. Again, repeat after me. My cruelest enemy. My cruelest enemy. Cannot hurt me. As much as I can hurt myself. By holding a grudge. By being bitter. By being resentful. My cruelest enemy cannot hurt me as much as I can hurt myself by holding a grudge, by being bitter, by being unresentful, and all that comes under the category of by choosing not to forgive. I see many people fall for this deception all the time, and maybe you've come to me one time in confession, okay? And the story, this is a story that, I, you know, many people have come to this, and they come to me in confession, and they give me a list of things, and I did this, and I said this to my mom, okay, that's bad. And I did this to my dad, that's bad, especially dad, okay? I fell asleep in church, don't ever do that again. I, you know what I mean? And I stole, and I lusted, and I um, greed, okay, okay, okay. And also, I can't forgive so-and-so. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. That's very serious. The greed? No. The lust? No. The anger? No. The unforgiveness? The bitterness, the resentment. Do you know why? Let me tell you why, because I'm, I'm not a smart person, I'm a practical person. I'm not a smart person, I'm a practical person. Too many people are nodding. Yes, like, yeah, amen, amen, no, okay? I'm not a smart person, I'm a practical person. I know that the prayer that we repeat more than any other prayer in the church is the Lord's Prayer. And I'm a smart, I'm not, again, I'm not a smart man, but I'm a person who has ears. And in the Lord's Prayer, you say the following, repeat after, or not repeat after, you finish the sentence. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And let me ask you a question. Do you know what it is you're saying when you say that? Do you know what it is you're saying? This is what you're saying. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it for you. You're saying it for you. You're saying, God, forgive me when I lied the same way I forgave my sister when she lied. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't forgive my sister when she lied. I hate my sister's guts. I tell everyone that she's a liar and she's the worst. Lord, do the same to me. That's what you're praying. Lord, forgive me the way I was disrespectful towards so-and-so or the way I was neglecting whatever or the way I forgot whatever. Forgive me, Lord, same way I forgave others. But if you don't forgive others, you are, you are asking, I hate to say this, forgive me. You are asking condemnation on yourself. You are asking, you are praying for it. You are not just receiving it, you're asking, give it to me, God. That's why I tell people, when, they tell, when we get to this discussion about forgiveness and unforgiveness, I say to them in the end, if you're not willing to forgive, don't pray the Lord's Prayer. At least don't pray that part. Just fake a cough, <coughs> get, like, get silent at that part, do something, sneeze, something. Excuse yourself, don't say that part. Because your cruelest enemy can't hurt you as much as you can hurt yourself by choosing to hold a grudge, by choosing to be bitter, by choosing to be resentful. And it's not just my opinion. Remember, when Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, he gave the Lord's Prayer from start to finish. And the Lord's Prayer, you know, that's, like, that's a big deal, the Lord's Prayer. And if you remember back in membership group, for those who took it, we went phrase by phrase through the Lord's Prayer. And there's some big concepts in there. Like when he said, call God our Father. And we said, our Father is a, a breaking of all stereotypes because God was not Father. God was not relational to them. In the Old Testament, God was the Mighty, the Creator, okay, the Judge. And he said, call Him Father. That's like a big deal. But Jesus didn't emphasize that part. 
And then he told him, give us this day our daily bread. And, and, and that's like praying for all your provisions, everything that you possibly need. That's like a big deal. But Jesus didn't emphasize that. The part that Jesus emphasized when he got to the end of the prayer is exactly about this forgiveness. After giving the entire Lord's prayer, and for, for thine is the power, the glory, the whatever, amen. And then he was bored. He's about to move on to the next subject. For he did. He said, wait, just let me go back and emphasize. He said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, this was his commentary on the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that's the deception. That's the deception where the devil is deceiving us. And we stand up and say, Lord, forgive us and have mercy on us. You are a gracious Father. And Lord, have mercy. And Lord, have mercy. He said, okay, what is this, a show? This is a show that we're doing here? You do what you want? You, like, let me tell you how the equation works. You forgive, I forgive. You grudge, I grudge. You hold on, I hold on. So let's not go through this, this song and dance of, I'm not willing to forgive, but then Lord, have mercy on me. And Lord, you're full of grace. And Lord, none of that stuff matters, according to Jesus, if we're not willing to forgive our brothers and our sisters. Said another way, said this before. Take your sins that you've committed, and your brother's sins, your sister's sins, which they've committed against you. And what Jesus says is, we're going to tie them together. We're going to super glue those bad boys, gorilla glue and gorilla tape, okay? They're going to be together for all of eternity. And you choose what we do with them. If you want to get rid of them, we'll get rid of them. As far as the east is from the west, as far as we move our transgressions from, is no problem. Bury them in the bottom part of the ocean, put them away that no one can see them. Or we can hold on to them. Your call. But the two have to be the same. Whatever you want done to your sins, you do that to the other sins. And I'm willing to go either way. Your choice, free will, your choice. And the deception that many of us are falling under is this idea that we can be forgiven without forgiving others. My cruelest enemy can't hurt me. My cruelest enemy did hurt me. And they did hurt you. And I get it, I'm not making light of it. And they hurt you, and they hurt you, and they hurt you. But you hurt yourself much more by holding on to their sin, by holding on to grudge. And of course, we don't like to say unforgiveness because it sounds bad. So that's what I'm saying. We call it a grudge. Or we call it just a, you know, I don't want to, can't let go of. What, call it whatever it is that you want. If I'm holding on to something, <clears throat> then we're in a, a place of deception. And I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. A lot of things in life, okay, I have a, a again, I'm not smart, but I am logical. A lot of things in life which are complicated, let me show you a way to make it simple. Anything in life that's complicated, should I do this or should I do that? Is this the right or that right? I'm gonna give you a very simple formula to make it very clear what you should do. I call it the get hit by a bus formula. If I'm gonna walk out of this church here today, walk in the street, get hit by a bus, what would I do? And all of a sudden things become very, very clear. I don't know if I should forgive that person, okay? You get hit by a bus today after lunch. Would you wish you had forgive that person? Things become clear. Things become clear when you put it in, in that situation. I'm telling you, anyone, if you've ever been in this situation, <clears throat> obviously you've never died because you're sitting here listening to me. <clears throat> but if you've ever been in a situation where you thought you were going to die, because some people have been in those situations where you thought you were in a situation of extreme danger, where you thought I could die right now, I guarantee you one of the initial thoughts that you've had, it's just like in all the movies, that's one area where Hollywood got it right. 
Okay, the one area. It's like, oh no, I'm gonna die. I'm really sorry for what I did. Please forgive me. So it's the, the people on the airplane, the plane's gonna die. Forgive me for what I did. And I didn't mean when I said no, forgive me for what I did. Once there is, I'm about to get hit by a bus. The plane's about to crash. Then all of a sudden, everything becomes clear. I want forgiveness. I want to give forgiveness. That's when it becomes clear. We need to be people <clears throat> who we just said, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. And as we look for the resurrection of the dead, the one thing we keep in mind, if the resurrection is coming, the life of the age is to come, I gotta get rid of it. I, I gotta get rid of my own sins. I'm not saying you, you're better people than me. But me, I got lots of sins that I gotta get rid of. I gotta get rid of this sin, I gotta get rid of, because I gotta get to the age to come and the life of the, the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. I gotta get there. And I got all these sins that are weighing me down because I'm a very weak person. Okay, I present myself very good up here, but I'm a very weak person, so I gotta get rid of it. So I don't have a choice. Okay, maybe you're a better person than me and you don't commit sin, so you don't need to forgive because you don't need forgiveness. Good luck to you. But me, I need a lot of forgiveness. And I know that when I get there, I want as many of my sins as way from me as much as I can. And the way is forgiving others. Because Jesus said it very clear. <clears throat> I'll give you one more parable. Y'all know the parable, this famous parable about a man who had two servants. Well, a man had many servants, okay? And it's in Matthew chapter 18. A man had, so let's start, man had one servant. So, 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 well, I'm the servant, okay? So you are the owner, okay? You're the master. And I'm the servant. And I owed my master $10,000. And my master comes and says, pay me the money that you owe me. And does he have a right to say that? Yeah. If I took a loan from him for $10,000. <clears> $10,000. <throat> He has a right to say, get, he's not doing anything cruel or unusual. Like, this is what's owed. So I, he says, come give me the money as, according to the terms. And I say, well, I can't. He says, okay, I'm sorry. You got to go to jail. And that's right. That's just. Like that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what's correct. But then I beg and plead and please, 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 pretty, please, pretty, please, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. And he says, okay, I'll let you go. I forgive the $10,000. And I say, great. And then all of a sudden, another servant comes to me, a fellow servant. So this was my superior this is my peer. My peer owes me 50 bucks. And my peer comes to me and says, I can't owe you, I can't pay you the 50 bucks. Do I have a right to collect it? Absolutely I have a right. He owes me 50 bucks. 50 bucks is a lot. Okay, especially back in the day before inflation, oh, who knows. So 50 bucks is a lot. And I say, no, you owe me the 50 bucks. And do I have a right? Yes, I have a right. And he refuses to pay, so he goes to jail. That's just, there's nothing wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. But then all of a sudden, this guy finds out what I did. He says, oh, you want justice? I thought you wanted mercy. Oh, you want justice? Okay, let's go justice. Your choice. And what this one says is what Jesus says right here. It's Matthew 18. It says, then his master, after he had called him, his, like the master called me, his master called him and said to him, you wicked servant. You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Can you, can you hear Jesus saying this to you? Like anyone who's right now holding a grudge with someone, anyone right now refuses to let go. Like, I want you to hear Jesus saying this to you. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers till he should pay all that was due to him. And here's the kicker. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. 
you see why I say my cruelest enemy can't hurt me as much as I can hurt myself? The master said, we can, do it. we can do it this way, we can do it that way. It's your call, free will. You want justice? Let's go justice. But justice for all, or else it wouldn't be justice. I want mercy. Okay, fine, mercy for all. Mercy for all, justice for all. You choose. <clears throat> real quick, okay? I don't want this to be the focus of the sermon, but I just want to say real quick. Sometimes when we talk about forgiveness and not forgiveness, Sometimes people struggle with it because it's like, I can't do that because what this person did to me or I can never go back to that relationship. And I think that, I think the reason why we struggle with forgiveness is we don't necessarily understand what forgiveness is. Okay, we have a misunderstanding of forgiveness. And again, I'm not, it take too much time for me to clear it up here, but I'm happy to chat with that about anyone who wants to chat about that. But forgiveness is not several things. Number one, forgiveness is not forgetting. We've talked about that before. There's no such thing as when I forgive, I forget. Okay, maybe some of us grew up, we've seen that picture of Jesus. We all had it growing up in our homes. When I forgive, I forget. Then you go and you see where's the reference of that? And the reference is some guy named Jim from, you know, from Indiana or whatever it may be or, or whatever. Because the Jesus never said that. When I forgive, I forget. So forgive, you say I can't forgive. Or, I'm sorry, you say I can't forget. I say that has nothing to do with forgive. Number two, forgiveness does not always necessarily mean reconciliation. And I emphasize the word necessarily. Sometimes forgiveness does require reconciliation. Like I can't say my kid did this against me, and you know what, I forgive him, but I'm never gonna talk to him again. My kid's you know, five years old, I'm never gonna talk to him again. No, you have to reconcile with your five-year-old child. Like that, that's not how it works. But what I'm saying is that it may, there may be some situations where it's unsafe to reconcile or it's unwise. So that's not our topic. That's separate. Reconciliation is separate than forgiveness. Forgetting is separate than forgiveness. Has nothing to do with it. It may or may not. You deal with your father confession on it, whatever it may be. But what I'm here to say is forgiveness is a requirement. Forgiveness is mandatory. Forgiveness is first. Everything else is second. Because again, in the end, if I get hit by a bus today in the street, whether I reconcile, don't reconcile, doesn't make a difference. But whether I forgive, don't forgive, makes a huge difference. And what happens next? The other thing I'll say is that it's not about your enemy. Your real enemy is not the person who hurts you. You know that, right? Your real enemy is not the person who hurts you. The person who hurts you flicked you in the ear like that, okay? But the real enemy is trying to bury you six feet under, and that's the devil. And the real, the real, the, 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 what the real tactic is, is not that, that whatever that person did, but it's the bitterness and the resentment that want to take hold that buries you. It buries you on this earth because you will live a miserable life, and it buries you in the one to come because you will not find forgiveness for your own sins. And something else to tell you, okay, back to this life. You know who bears the brunt of your bitterness and your grudge and your resentment? Do you know who drinks that cup every single day? The people you love the most. Because for some reason, they didn't do anything, but somehow you're a little bit grumpy today. And for some reason, you're a little snappy today. And it's the people who did nothing to harm you, the people who love you the most, the people who are always there, they become the ones who drink the poison that you keep pouring in the cup every single day because of your refusal to forgive and hold the grudge. My cruelest enemy, remind me again, my cruelest enemy cannot hurt me. My cruelest enemy cannot hurt me. As much as I can hurt myself. As much as I can hurt myself. By holding a grudge, by being bitter, or by being resentful. Last thing I want to say. <clears throat> At the very end, 
of the year as we, again, as we read this, this gospel, we think about the end of the world. The church is, is, is wise, okay? And the church keeps us balanced. We've talked about before how the church calendar, it gives us, so we don't, we're not focused all year on the end of the world, okay? Soon we'll be focused starting next week on new beginnings because it's the beginning of the Coptic year and fresh starts and it'll be joyful. We'll be singing about bless the crown of the year. And then soon after that, we'll start thinking about the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ and this great gift that he gave to us. And then we'll think about his birth and then we'll think about uh, Lent and he fasted. And then we'll think, so the church keeps us balanced. This is the time to think about the end of the world. You say, I'm not an end of the world guy. I'm not an end of the world guy either. Okay, I've told you all before, if it was up to me, the whole year would be festal. Okay, it would be Holy 50, it'd be resurrection. We, we would just go, we go 364 days of feasting, and we'll give one day for Good Friday or something like that. But the rest of the days would be just feasting. But that's not good for me, and that's not good for you. The church keeps us balanced. So you say, I'm not an end of the world guy. That's okay. You're not an end of the world guy. But this week, we're end of the world guys. Today, we're end of the world guys. Next week, we won't be. But today, we are. So today, as we approach this liturgy, there's a part of the liturgy that again, the church fathers, one of the most important parts of the liturgy, which may go by, you don't even realize the importance of it, is the kiss of peace. You know, in a minute, we're gonna do the kiss of peace. Remember that thing that died during COVID, but we, I think it came back, it came back, right? We're all Barbara, okay, good, okay. The kiss of peace, the kiss of peace can never die. There's certain things that, okay, during COVID, we said, okay, we're not gonna do that, and that thing never came back. That was just like, you know, customs, whatever it may be, like the little thing of water, whatever, like got rid of a lot of that stuff. But the kiss of peace, that has to come back. That has to be, because that's integral. Because what the kiss of peace says is, is that you cannot have peace here unless you have peace here. You cannot love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength unless you're willing to love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot be forgiven. You can't come to this table unless you're forgiven. Unless you're willing to forgive one another. And in a minute when we do that kiss of peace, you're going to do it to the people in your direct vicinity. You don't need to go to the other end of the church, okay? Just the two or three people like right there, like a little radius of two, okay, is what you need to do. Okay, that's it, that's all. But as you're doing it, you're doing it symbolically to the guy in the last row, to the lady over here, the guy who didn't show up at church today, to my mother who lives halfway across the country, to my dad who passed away and I don't even say it anymore. Today we're saying we let go of everything. And some of us, you know, just, I'm just throwing it out there. Some of us, maybe we need to actually say it to a person. Okay, and I will give you permission. The only time I give you permission that after I finish the sermon, you can send a text, but one only, okay? You can send one text if you need to. To send a text to someone say, I forgive you, please forgive me. I will let you do that to one person. Some of us, we don't need to send a text. Somebody, like I said, I'm not telling you you have to say it to the person. Maybe you just have, maybe some of us, it's just an internal thing. We just need to say, maybe we need to text ourselves and say, I forgave so-and-so. I let go, whatever it may be. One only, and then we pray. But the point here is that we can't receive peace with God. We can't experience peace with God. And that's what we're going to have peace with our fellow man. So my prayer today is that truly, as we say, we look for the resurrection of the dead, the life of the age to come. We look for it. And the way we look for it is by preparing our hearts, by being clean with all mankind. And then truly, if we can do that, then we participate in communion in a new way. We pray in a new way. We go home to our families in a new way. We can focus on life in a new way once we've let go of that which was weighing us down. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.